I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith in our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. How do you receive Christ? That's a question that can be answered any number of different ways because the question itself could be asked in many different ways. How do I receive Christ could be the question of first coming to a knowledge of God. How do I receive Christ could be a question of the Eucharist. Uh, How do I receive Christ could be uh, how do I experience him in the everyday aspects of the life in a Matthew 25 kind of way because you what you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. And so as we receive those in hospitality who are around us in the same way we, we receive Christ. There are so many different ways that one could go about receiving Christ. But yesterday was the feast of the presentation. And the voice of Simeon is echoing in my ears. Simeon, of course, was a man who was longing for the redemption of Israel. And he, he prayed for it, and he yearned for it, and he, he, he focused his attention on it to the point that the day came that Christ was presented in the temple. And Simeon, filled with the Spirit, came in. And we'll talk about this later uh, as we get to the readings from Scripture and from church history. We're going to be taking these readings from, uh, from the, the Feast of the Presentation. But Simeon comes in, and he recognizes Christ as a baby. He recognizes this infant as the promised one uh, and the one that he had been longing for and waiting for for so long. And so right there on the spot, he, with joy, wraps this child up in his arms, which is, <laughs> you, you have this picture of what that looks like uh, as you read it growing up. And then, and then you become a parent and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm visiting this church and you're taking my kid out of my arms. I don't know what I think about that. But, but apparently Mary and Joseph were fine with it. Uh, here, Jesus is gathered up into his arms and he makes a proclamation of praise to God for, for sending this promised one. And of course, for Mary, uh, who's seen the angel face to face, um, this, this has got to be still, I mean, it's not the most amazing thing that's happened, but, but now this isn't just heaven. This is now earth also proclaiming uh, God's plan for this child. And this is just about 40 days after the, the shepherds came and they proclaimed what what God's mission for this child was. They, they talked about the angels that they had seen. And so here Mary is just soaking in the fact that uh, while, while most people aren't going to say anything, there are those who are listening to the voice of God, who are receptive to the song of the angels, who are listening for the Holy Spirit that recognize God's action in the middle of their lives. And so the question that, that I have, how do you receive Jesus Christ, is really a question of, are you a person who is receptive to the song of the angels? Are you a person who hears the voice of the Holy Spirit nudging you to, to show up where Christ is presented? And that's the question we're going to be talking about today, both as we get to our readings from Scripture and from church history, and also with our guest. Uh, today we're going to be talking with Edmund Mitchell, He's the director of catechesis and evangelization at uh, St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Grapevine, Texas. He's also the founder of ReverbCulture.com. 
So we're going to be talking about not only the work that he does uh, at his parish and through this website, but we're going to be talking about his experience that brought him to the place where he began to listen for the Holy Spirit, that brought him to the place where his faith became more than a set of beliefs, but actually became the yearning of his heart, just like it was for Simeon. And as we get close to Lent, which is starting February 14th, right around the corner, this is a question we should be asking ourselves uh, as we prepare our hearts for the Lenten fast and for the Easter celebration, is how, how do I meet Christ where he is presented? How do I make sure that I'm in the right place, uh, both a physical location and a spiritual uh, posture, to receive all that Christ is as he is presented to me? Now, I'm the kind of person that when I ask these questions of myself and I see some deficiency, I see some lack in that spiritual understanding or that spiritual walk, I, I want to go for these grand gestures. And Lent is a, a time where we would be tempted to do that. You know, we say, oh, well, obviously I need to have a good Lent, so I'm going to, I'm going to give up everything in the world. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to pray like 15 hours a day. And, you know, uh, I'm coming to realize that a lot of times, really, we're not called to the huge, magnificent gestures of piety. Uh, we're called to make the small changes, not just the tiny little course corrections, the reorientation of our eyes. We're still living the same life and walking through the same experiences, but we're asked to focus our eyes in a different way, on a different point on the horizon. And that makes all the difference. We still have to go to work. We still have to, to, to go to the grocery store and to do all of those mundane things that, that sustain our life. But now we're asked to do that in a way with our eye to Christ, to, to realize that when we go to the grocery store, that Christ is going to be presented to us. And we have to be ready for it. We have to be listening for God's voice in our mundane places, right? The, the, the shepherds, they were still doing their job, but the angels came to them, right? They were receptive to hear the voice of God. And because they were willing to, to focus on Christ and to obey that voice that they heard, or in the case of the shepherds, the multitude of voices of the heavenly choirs, uh, because of that, they were able to receive Christ presented to them. And so as you begin to think about what your Lent might look like this year, I encourage you to spend some time asking uh, the small questions, uh, asking what are the things that I can do that will reorient my eyes? What are the little things I can do that will make every day uh, more of a walkie-talkie conversation than a phone conversation? And by that, I mean uh, when my, my children have walkie-talkies that they love to play with, much to, much to my chagrin, because with a walkie-talkie, at any given moment, someone can break through the silence and reach out and communicate right? Uh, it, it's the phone conversation that doesn't end. My children wear these things around the house and when they go outside and play and they know they're ready to receive the message from their sibling that will indicate th that play has begun. And so we like to think of our phone conversation with God that we know when it begins, we know when the middle is, and we know when it ends, right? We have the, the Dear Jesus and the Amen bookends uh, that keep our prayer safe and confined, and so as you begin to contemplate this Lent, I encourage you 
to pull out your spiritual walkie-talkie, to turn it on, to turn it to God's channel, and to just leave it open air. That at any moment, you could speak to God, and at any moment, He could speak back, and He could give Him permission to interrupt your day, give Him permission to put you in the right place for you to receive Christ presented. Don't go anywhere. We've got a great show for you today as we talk with Edmund Mitchell, founder of ReverbCulture.com. We're going to give away one of his books to help you with your Lenten observance and much, much more. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Edmund Mitchell, who's the director of Catechesis and Evangelization at St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Grapevine, Texas. Edmund, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's great to be here in your your high-tech, fancy studio. Now, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you have a, a background in catechesis, you've got a background in graphic design and making things look beautiful, and uh, one of the little-known facts about you, or um, about your, your church anyway, is that a couple of years ago, it won an award for being the best Catholic website in the world. Wow. I mean, that's not hard, honestly. <laughs> But, I don't know if I knew that. I, I think I. Uh, so I, I was thinking you must have had something to do with it, and I don't know. It was Act, there were bloggers talking lot, about actually. it. So, yeah, actually, not a whole lot. Like I, I had as much to do in it as I was that that very annoying guy in the back of the room that was like, "No, that looks ugly. No, change it. Just change this. This needs to look better." So one of the things that that is uh, is beautiful about that website is it's very easy to navigate right up front. This is what if you if you have any doings with a, a website at your church, make sure mm-hmm. that the mass times and confession yes. times are on the front page, so you don't have to scroll yes. for it. Because I travel sometimes, and I, I want to know mm-hmm. when is mass, yep. when is confession, and then if I'm if I'm local and I want to get involved in the church, there needs to be information about how to do that as well. But first, first impressions matter. When when do you have when's mass? confession? When's, when's confession? confession? I work at this parish, and half the time I'm pulling up the parish website to remember <laughs> to remind myself when a mass time is. Right? It's like it, you only know the mass you normally go to, and then whenever you're like, what other masses are there? Then you have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Now I uh, I attended uh, St. Francis for a little bit of time, and I tell you one of the it's a beautiful building, and it's large, but the way that the sanctuary is built, it feels like a small intimate parish. It's very interesting. It does. In that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of wraps around. There's a hallway that wraps all the way around. I guess like two thirds of the church, so you almost feel like you're just going in circles around the the building. You're not sure where you are exactly, <laughs> but yeah, it does have it does have that kind of interesting um, interesting dynamic. L- lower ceilings, you know, it's not like a Gothic cathedral, so right. lower ceilings. It feels like kind of hugs you. Right. You, we want people to feel hugged when they come to worship God. And 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 you do. And if you're not careful yeah. who you sit by, you will be. So, <laughs> that's so true. This is that's so true. <laughs> yeah. If it's not flu season, we will touch you. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about uh, today about the catechism, because you have a great love for the catechism uh, and for how the, the, the current catechism that we have had for the last, oh, 
is it 30 years now? 30 years. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. How, how it helps us really to live more deeply. So talk about how you first became introduced to the catechism and, uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. So, uh, so you're a credo Catholic, Tim, or you're a convert. I'm a convert. I came in in 2011. Okay, cool. Well, the, those who are listening who are cradle Catholics, you know, I was around the faith a lot and my dad taught CCD. So I kind of, you know, I felt like I knew the faith pretty well. I liked being the smart kid in class who would like raise his hand and go, actually, you know, there's like the <laughs> second ladder in Catholic, you know, whatever. And so I felt like I knew the faith pretty well. Um, I go to, I end up going to a Catholic university, Franciscan university, where I study catechesis, which is how to present the faith. And then I leave and I go off and I'm on my own. I just got married and I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to, incorporate my faith life into practical daily life. And I got really passionate about Catholic radio. I listened to a lot of Catholic radio. And um, I started realizing that a lot of my passion for the faith was was um, dependent upon Catholic speakers or Catholic authors who are great. I loved, like I was a huge Scott Hahn fan. I still am huge nerd of all these books and, and authors and speakers and talks. But I felt like I was constantly going, I was relying on their presentation of the faith in order to get inspired and built up. And if you listen to some Catholic radio, not not amazing Catholic radio like this one, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes we can get caught up and and this just happens this human nature. We get caught up in what's happening in in the culture currently. So right. um and I felt like most of my time after a year of listening to Catholic radio, I felt like most of my time was spent worried about abortion, worried about immigration, worried about same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. And while those are amazing topics that, that, well, not amazing, they're not amazing topics, but those are, those are very important issues. Important issues. Yeah. Yes. Amazingly important issues. They're beautiful doctrines of the church that are involved in that. And, and, um, and we do need to stand up for these, for these issues in our culture. I felt like that was it. And I felt like I had, I felt really ashamed that all the amount of time that I had spent really reflecting on the importance of the Eucharist in my life was not that much or mm -hmm. the amount of time, you know, I would listen to someone like Scott Hahn or someone like Father Mike Schmitz or someone talk about the incarnation or, or, you know, the, the one or two times I'd pick up a book, you know, St. Athanasius talking about the incarnation. I'd be like, why am I not reading stuff like this more? Why am I not meditating on the central truths of the faith um, more often in my life and incorporating those into my daily life. Um, and so then I came, I came across, uh, Pope Benedict, uh, who b before that was, was Cardinal Ratzinger. He wrote this big theological dissertation or some big theology paper, and he sent it to Hans Urs von Balthasar, a really great theologian. And at the time was, you know, kind of like a men, not a mentor, but someone that Benedict looked up to. He sent this paper in and, and Balthasar, Balthasar, as was his custom, sent back one line hmm. and it was propose the faith, don't presume the faith. Hmm. And that shook me to my core because I thought, man, uh, a lot of times we have conversations and we just assume that all of us kind of understand the faith pretty well. And we assume we're starting to get to this place where we have so much good Catholic content that we kind of assume that everyone kind of understands what the incarnation is, right? Right. Well, no. In fact, the catechism calls us to constantly be reflecting on those central uh, doctrines of the faith, what we would call the deposit of faith, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just here is exactly the the you know the structure, the framework of everything we believe, and other things hang on it, but the central doctrines and dogmas of the faith are really important. So that's when I started getting into the catechism and 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 um, realized that 
wow, this is a very unique document. Um, some people have said that it is one of the only like specific authentic fruits from Vatican II that we can put our finger on and say, this is something that was directly um, uh, like caused by the Vatican Council. Right. So beautiful document. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Edmund Mitchell, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis down in Texas. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, about the catechism is that it's such an approachable document. And yet, yeah. uh, if you, you know, you can, if you have a question about the faith, you go out to the index, you find where it talks about it. I, or if you're like me, I go online and I type in CCC and then the question that I have yeah, and it yeah, brings, yeah, yeah. Up, brings up the catechism and you can approach it and find an answer to your question very quickly. And yet it's so thickly cross-referenced that you could spend yes. a, a lifetime just coming to understand the fullness of that document. All of a sudden you see this quote from uh, some document, you find out it's a father of the church, and then you, you mm -hmm. go down that rabbit hole and see what the church has always believed about these, these matters of the deposit of faith. And you, you were talking about um, <clears throat> how easy it was to get caught up in the important issues the, mm -hmm. the urgent issues of our culture. And yet mm -hmm. it, it seems the way that our media is um, crafted for us today, whether it be on social media or on talk radio or wherever you find it, most of our media is designed to keep us engaged as an activist. They want yes. us to be yep. an activist about something, to get mm -hmm. upset uh, uh, about some action that's going on so that we can uh, basically stay engaged with our favorite show, uh, stay yeah. engaged with our, our uh, social media platform. And so it seems that any conversation that happens, uh, whether it be with uh, those who are directly around us or whether it be with the, the society at large, is antagonistic at its core. Yeah. And, and this is not the gospel because yeah. the gospel is, it, it's a stumbling block. It, it is certainly controversial and countercultural, but it is not antagonistic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a good point because often it is important for us to be engaging on those conversations. But if we haven't first meditated very, very extensively on what the incarnation means in my life and and what the implications of just the incarnation itself or or take it back even even further, the Trinity, like such a crazy idea, such a weird idea. And if we're going to be out on the front lines of an of an argument about marriage, but don't have a strong grasp of the central doctrine of the Trinity, then I feel like we're in some ways doing a disservice to that conversation. And um, and we can always come back to the central. You know, there's a there's this idea of a hierarchy of truth in the faith that there are some truths that are more fundamental. Now we have to be careful that we we're not saying that some of Jesus's teachings are essential and some are non-essential. That's right. not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that some teachings are dependent upon other teachings of the faith. Mm -hmm. So our understanding of the sacraments depends on our understanding of who Jesus is. Our understanding of who Jesus is depends on our understanding of what the Trinity is and what God has revealed about the Trinity. So you take it back to these fundamental doctrines, and I think we can never do wrong by by going back to those fundamental doctrines and making sure they have permeated our entire life before we move on to some of these more. How do we carry this out in our daily life? Right. I have a friend of mine who I won't name uh, publicly, but on social media, he said, you know, I'm taking a step back from from all of these argument groups that I'm a part of. I'm taking a step back from apologetics in general 
because apologetics, uh, as he has been experiencing it, has been nothing but proving a point. And mm. the goal of apologetics, as you look throughout history, as you look at the various apologies of the apostles and of the fathers, uh, has been to explain and to win. Not to win mm. an argument, but to, to at least bring understanding to another person. Let me tell you what it is that we believe about the faith so that you can come to understand the faith rather than getting in a punching match and see who's got the better point so that I can mark off a little check mark on my box about another uh, another argument that I won. Yeah, totally. I, I was in a I was a, in a room full of 20 high schoolers who, um, you know, wanted to hit on the hot button issues. And immediately this was like one of the, it was like the third or fourth time we had met for this Bible study. And immediately they were like, all right, Edmund, answer us. Why can't women be priests? Right. Or why can't. And then the second question, which was related, was why can't two men get married? Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. There are so many other um, assumptions or or things that we believe that are that are more foundational before we get to that point. First, I have to ask you, do you believe what do you believe about a human person? Is a human person a body with a soul? Is a human person just a just biological chemicals going off in our brain and the result of some evolutionary process? Is the human like what is the human person and where does gender there are so many other foundational um, points right. to be to be really reflected on before we get to this this um, something that I feel is is a much farther down the line. And we you know we've heard Pope Francis talk a little bit about this, much to the chagrin of some people who are like, no, some of these issues are the issues because people's lives are at stake. And I I do agree that people's lives are at stake, but I would say that if we haven't taken the time to make the some of these central doctrines of the faith, the Trinity, the human person, Jesus Christ, um, uh, who, who man is, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice if we run out to the farthest reaches of that conversation. We're talking today with Edmund Mitchell, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis at St. Francis of Assisi in Grapevine, Texas. There's a lot more to this conversation as we talk about the catechism and its impact on our lives. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Edmund Mitchell, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis at a church down in Texas. Find out more information about him over at edmundmitchell.com. That's Mitchell with two L's. Or, or if you're having trouble remembering his name, go to reverbculture.com and, and follow the links from there. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Reverb Culture, um, the, yeah. this, this on-again, off-again project of yours, <laughs> yeah. which, which yeah. I'm hoping that by talking about it, we make it on again. Uh, I think we are. I think we are. Good. So here you're, you've taken this idea about meditating on the catechism and, of course, mm -hmm. on Scripture from which cate the catechism is, is strongly based. Uh, yeah. And, and you're, you're taking it to a new level of saying, okay, here's a, here's a book. You've got one mm -hmm. already, one of four, uh, dealing with 30 uh, excerpts from the catechism and from Scripture to meditate on the four pillars of the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah. to draw people in, a, in an easy way, and really in a second we'll talk about the whole mission of where Reverb Culture came from, but this, this book specifically is to draw people in a, in a tangible, uh, easy-to-manage to way 
to draw them into meditating on the catechism and letting that have an impact on their lives. So talk to me, where did reverb culture come from? Uh, and what is your hope for, uh, you know, how do you know when it's succeeded? Yeah. So, so when I started, um, thinking about the catechism and realizing, wow, I don't, I don't think I know the faith as well as I thought I did. I knew it from an apologetic standpoint. I knew it from, you know, battling with these cultural questions about same sex, um, attraction or abortion or some of these hot button issues. But as far as really, really reflecting deeply on exactly what the church teaches, um, infallibly about some of the more basic doctrines. I felt like, I felt a little, um, I felt like I had to go to a Scott Hahn or someone else who had been, um, who had been inspired by those teachings and then had to communicate it to me. And I was like, no, I want to sit at the feet of the church myself mm -hmm. and hear the doctrine and hear some of the supporting scriptures and hear the way the church presents it in all of its beauty. And I want to be, um, inspired by that directly myself. And so the idea was, wow, you know, there, there isn't this really, um, this combination of both human experience and application with some of these central doctrines of the faith. And so the idea of reverb culture, um, you know, the, the word catechesis comes from this old Greek word, um, catechine, which means to echo down. And in the, in these like outdoor auditoriums, when someone was, um, you know, the, the actor in the stage, they had to speak loudly so that the echo would reverberate through all the rows. Well, the word catechine is where we get the word catechesis and the deposit of faith, what's been revealed by God, echoes down throughout all the ages in catechesis in the way we pass on the deposit of faith. So the idea we, you know, play on words, reverb culture. So can we create a culture where we just reverberate these central doctrines of the faith and, and reveal them in a beautiful way in our own life as young adults or as whoever. So the idea of reverb was to, um, to stop, stop the conversations on these hot button issues so much and try to focus really deeply on the incarnation, the immaculate conception, the Trinity, the idea of the human person and the relationship between salvation and the church and all those different things. So, um, I found that I was intimidated by the catechism. The first thing is I would say buy yourself a small pocket edition vinyl catechism. They're much smaller. Um, the Daniel Steele looking one from the USCCB that's like the big <laughs> paperback one. I'm not a huge fan of that because it's not that pretty. It doesn't make me like feel like, oh, I'm reading this really important document. Um, so there's a smaller version. So there I was less intimidated because it wasn't a huge dictionary. Right. Uh, I could bring it around like a daily read. And so I'm like, okay, this isn't a dictionary. Now it's part of my prayer life. Um, and then the second thing was I was intimidated about reading it straight through because, you know, you get up to, I don't know, the sacraments and then you get bored. Right. So I was like, I want this. I want this to be relevant to my life. I have a hard time sometimes reading all of scripture because I just go to the parts of scripture that resonate with me emotionally or resonate with my time that I'm experiencing right now. So I thought, OK, what if I just walked through the gospel and I would just take a small chunk and do your normal Lexio Divina. But in the back of the catechism, there's what's called the index of citations. So you can have you have listed in the back of the catechism all of the citations in order. So that would that means John one one. You'll have every paragraph where John one one in the catechism is referenced. Right. Or and then it just keeps going. John one two. John one three. So what I started doing was I'd just take one short little passage of scripture. I'd flip to the back of the catechism and I'd see like I don't know two catechism paragraphs, and I just read those and they would shed light on the scripture. And suddenly all of these things that I'd never heard anyone talk about, all of these things is beautiful presentations of the faith, right? For the first time I'm reading about um, the Annunciation mm -hmm. and then I go to the Catechism and the Catechism's talking about fasting an hour before mass and how that's a way that we can model Mary 
whose body, whose person was prepared to receive Jesus inside of her. And suddenly something that I hated doing because someone just told me like, just fast before mass. (laughs) Suddenly, suddenly I have this beautiful experience in prayer where I'm praying through the annunciation. I'm like, wow, God, what do you want to say to me about this? And then I turned to the catechism and it's talking about this beautiful presentation of how we can do this before mass to prepare our hearts for the Eucharist. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. And this is mine. No one told me this. This was my experience. I, I, I own this myself, this experience, this conversation with God. So reverb is that that experiment of doing that. And the meditations book that you referenced is just taking 30 short little chunks and walking through one pillar of the catechism at a time. So the first catechism pillar on creed walking through in 30 days, just 30 chunks that kind of go in order. Mm -hmm. And you can get that by going over to reverbculture.com. The first book is available now. And as we, uh, as we all read that together, as we all go and buy a copy of it, that's going (laughs) to put pressure on him uh, to get volume two out and ready for the covers already designed. Like half the work's done, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you go to reverbculture.com slash meditations book and, um, and I'll make, I'll make a coupon code. We'll do that. If you type in OTW show, and, you, and you'll get 20% off. We're also giving away a copy of that. Uh, I'll tell you about that giveaway in the next segment, so you're going to have to stick around to win one. But in the meantime, you can go to ReverbCulture.com uh, slash meditations book and type in the, uh, the coupon code OTWSHOW to get that for 20% off. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Edmund Mitchell, uh, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis down in Texas. We've talking about living... Uh, the catechism and, and its effect on us and, and pulling mm-hmm. us out of the, uh, the fray uh, that, you know, that when you go in your inner river, the, the shallow part is the rapids. That's where mm. uh, things get dicey. But, yeah. the, but the power of the river is mm. in the deeper parts. It doesn't yeah. look as dangerous. It doesn't look as uh, powerful. And yet you go sit out in the middle of the Mississippi and you're going to realize that uh, deep waters run strong. And mm. so there's this idea of using the catechism uh, to help deepen your waters, to kind of knock some of those shallow rocks out of the way uh, for a, a, a safer but more powerful uh, experience. Now, in that, as we move ourselves away from these anta- antagonistic conversations, we have to re- mm. under, uh, reclaim the understanding of uh, interacting with a person on a deep level and communicating with them. Uh, and, yeah. and this kind of is a natural progression for you as you've been uh, marinating in the catechism. You've mm-hmm. tried to uh, to get at the deeper questions and away from uh, the the uh, excitement of, of mm-hmm. the hot-button issues. You've started your own podcast called The Show. Kudos, the show. Yeah. kudos on naming that. Yeah, um, I couldn't come up with a better name. I was just like, oh, it's the show. And you call my friends and be like, hey, you want to be on the show? It's the yeah. show. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's the show. So you have this show that you that we're going to link to on social media so people can find it. That's dedicated really to long-form conversations. Uh, talk a little bit about how you came to this place and, and what the show exists to do. So, I mean, like I said, when I was listening to a lot of um, a lot of Catholic media, a lot of Catholic authors and stuff like that, and um, I think I found another another weakness, which was that I wasn't forcing myself to kind of get outside the bubble or 
to get outside the wall, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wasn't forcing myself outside the bubble. So I started forcing myself to listen to things that I thought I were going to make my skin crawl, such as like NPR or, um, (laughs) I don't know, like CNN or other things that were going to just, that I was just going to lose it and not be able to handle. And I actually found that there are places out there Um, there are people who are smarter than me that I also disagree with, but who aren't crazy. Right. And I've really found that, uh, especially with podcasts, being able to listen to someone who disagrees with you, but listen to them, explain their worldview in great detail was actually really beneficial for me. I felt like I had a lot more empathy. Um, and it wasn't, there wasn't some straw man or some type of monster that I was creating in my mind of like, Oh, you know, crazy atheist liberals, uh, you know, they eat their own babies or some crazy, (laughs) like just some crazy thing, you know, instead it was like, Oh no, I've listened to this guy, you know, he, yeah, I disagree on some of his points, but he does have feelings. He does have a background. He has places he's coming from and he's, he's also trying to figure things out as well. Um, there's another podcast I came across mixed mental arts and it's Brian Callen, the celebrity with this other guy, his friend from, from, um, from childhood, Hunter Motts. And they're really, you know, yeah, I would disagree with some of the things I think they're at best agnostic, but they're trying to figure this out. And what's crazy is hearing people you disagree with call out other people you disagree with. So they're like, no, Sam Harris, this is, you know, you're completely misrepresenting religion, you know? And so hearing someone that you disagree with kind of defend your position, I've, I've really, uh, yeah, became attracted to this idea of, you know, it's one thing I'm thinking about as I'm raising kids. You, you have kids, right? I do. I have seven kids. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. So, (laughs) you know, something I'm thinking, something I'm thinking you're, you're ahead of me by two. Something I'm thinking about is, I really think I'm, I'm formulating this theory of the virtue of breaking your bubble. And so if you just sit back and do nothing, Facebook will gladly send you things that you will like. Right. And there's a virtue that, and by virtue, I mean, a habit, like something that's a, a practiced habit. That's a practiced habit of searching out, like you said, the deep pools, but also searching out, exposing yourself to areas you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. And, um, I think that's really important. There's a, there was a Ted talk a while back about, um, our online filter bubbles that I can, I can try to send you, but I think that that's, that's very important. So the idea of the show is, um, to not be explicitly quote unquote Catholic, but to just be myself and have conversations that I, with people that I find interesting. And if sometimes I have someone on who I value a, a specific um, opinion or perspective they bring, but I don't agree with everything else <laughs> with the other things that they say, that's okay because I want to have a conversation with those people and just be myself instead of instead of being like, all right, let's check your Catholic card before you come on and let's have this conversation. I feel like my the listeners will know where I'm coming from. I mean, I work for a church. I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. I'm committed. Um, and I think we, we need to be more uh, willing to kind of put ourselves in these situations and not be afraid that someone's going to, um, you know, convince us to be an atheist or something. Well, and I think this is so important because if we only surround ourselves with with people who agree with us, we're not being mm-hmm. evangelistic at all. We can't yeah. answer the questions, the deep questions that exist in another person if we're not taking the time to listen to those questions and, and engage them where they are. You know, Paul uh, on the, uh, at the Areopagus said, I see that you're a very religious people. Let me tell you about this unknown God. But he had to put yeah. himself there first and speak to them in the way that they understood. 
We've been talking today with Edmund Mitchell, Director of Evangelization and Catechesis at St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Grapevine, Texas. Find out more information about his speaking and writing at edmundmitchell.com or go to Reverb Culture and check out the Meditations book. Remember, you get a 20% discount if you type in the coupon code OTWSHOW. Edmund, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much more to come right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we've been talking with Edmund Mitchell. He's the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis at St. Francis of Assisi in Grapevine, Texas. He's also the the, uh, the founder, the creator of Reverb Culture, uh, ReverbCulture.com. Great stuff there. I want you to go take a look at it. One of the things that you'll find there is a book called Meditations. He's got He's in the process of writing four of these books that cover the four sections of the catechism. So this first section, Meditations 01, is all about the profession of faith and and what we mean uh, as we recite the creed each Sunday. It's 30 small segments of the catechism and scripture put together to help you meditate and and really appropriate the riches of the catechism. And there's no better time to uh, to really explore that than the Lenten season, which is coming right up. Uh, Lenten starts on February 14th on Valentine's Day, and we have then uh, these 40 days to prepare our hearts, to examine our consciences, to, to look at all in our life that, that doesn't measure up, and uh, to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. So this is a great opportunity, uh, this, this book, uh, to really assist you on your Lenten journey. Now, as he mentioned uh, in the last segment, if you go to ReverbCulture.com slash Meditations book, or just once you go there, go to the shop and it'll it'll take you to the right place. Uh, you can type in the coupon code OTW show outside the walls show. Uh, OTW show will get you 20% off that book, or uh, we're going to be giving away a copy on February 14th. So you've got all this time between now and then. Uh, to get your entries in. And the way to win the book is to go visit me on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. There's a little giveaway tab, second one down on the on the left-hand side of the page, uh, or I'll also share it as a status uh, that you go in and you visit my Facebook page. That's one entry. You visit his Facebook page. That's another entry. You share the, uh, the, the giveaway on your Facebook. That's uh, three entries. And then there's a question for those people who, uh, if you've listened all the way through today, there's a question for you to answer. And for those people who also support the show on Patreon, uh, they get, if they answer their question, they get five entries. So four entries if you listen uh, and answer the question from the episode, five entries if you answer the question from the extra segment. All kinds of ways to enter to win this fantastic book. So I want to make sure that you do that. Now, if you are not currently a supporter of Patreon, but you really want those five extra entries, well, the way to go about that is to go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Right up at the top, it says support the show. Click the Patreon link. And for $5 a month, that's uh, less than uh, than a really small Starbucks, right? $5 a month, you get 
at least four extra segments. Some months we've got five. Uh, it just depends on where where our show falls on the on the month. But on those that we have five weeks in a given month, though you get an extra episode. Uh, and there's an extra segment with every guest every week, and uh, it's there for the taking. We actually went a little bit overboard this week and just kept talking for a while. So uh, for those of you who are Patreon supporters and you're just ready to get through with this show so you can get to the extra segments, it's an extra long extra segment this week. So go over to uh, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, sign up for that giveaway so that we can put this in your hands uh, for your Lenten meditation. Otherwise, go to reverbculture.com and pick up uh, a book there for 20% off using the coupon code OTW show. Now, yesterday was the presentation, the feast of the presentation of the Lord. And that is the, the day that uh, Jesus was taken to the temple uh, and he was presented before God, consecrated. They they performed the sacrifice there of the two turtle doves. Uh, and there was a, a profound prophecy given by both uh, Simeon and by Anna the prophetess. And so we're going to do our readings, both from church history and from Scripture, from the Feast of the Presentation, uh, because it's so important. And I think it really ties in a lot to what we've been talking about today, and I'll, I'll tell you how in just a moment. So let's go ahead and start with our gospel. This comes from the Gospel of Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. And what stands out to me most about that reading and, and about our next reading is that 
Anna and Simeon were in a place where they were listening to the voice of God. They weren't distracted by, by everything else. They were listening for the voice of God. That voice of God brought Simeon into the temple in the Spirit, but he had to be listening to the Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to make that appointment. And Anna put herself in the presence of God continually. And we too, as we approach Lent, as we are getting ready to prepare ourselves for Easter, Christ is going to present himself, but we have got to place ourselves in proximity. Otherwise, when Christ is presented, we won't be in the temple. We'll miss it. We need to be there and to be present when Christ is presented. And putting ourselves in the Scripture and in the Catechism and meditating on those things is one of the best ways for us uh, to, to put ourselves in a place where we can receive that presentation of the Lord. Today's reading from Church History comes from a sermon by St. Sophronius. In honor of the divine mystery that we celebrate today, let us all hasten to meet Christ. Everyone should be eager to join the procession and to carry a light. Our lighted candles are a sign of the divine splendor of the one who comes to expel the dark shadows of evil and to make the whole universe radiant with the brilliance of his eternal light. Our candles also show how bright our souls should be when we go to meet Christ. The Mother of God, the most pure virgin, carried the true light in her arms and brought him to those who lay in darkness. We, too, should carry a light for all to see and reflect the radiance of the true light as we hasten to meet him. The light has come and has shone upon a world enveloped in shadows. The dayspring from on high has visited us and given light to those who lived in darkness. This then is our feast, and we join in procession with lighted candles to reveal the light that has shone upon us and the glory that is yet to come to us through him. So let us hasten all together to meet our God. The true light has come, the light that enlightens every man who is born into this world. Let all of us, my brethren, be enlightened and made radiant by this light. Let all of us share in its splendor and be so filled with it that no one remains in darkness. Let us be shining ourselves as we go together to meet and to receive with the aged Simeon the light whose brilliance is eternal. Rejoicing with Simeon, let us sing a hymn of thanksgiving to God, the Father of the light, who sent the true light to dispel the darkness and to give us all a share in his splendor. Through Simeon's eyes, we too have seen the salvation of God, which he prepared for all the nations and revealed as the glory of the new Israel, which is ourselves. As Simeon was released from the bonds of this life, when he had seen Christ, so we too were at once freed from our old state of sinfulness. By faith, we too embraced Christ, the salvation of God the Father, as he came to us from Bethlehem. Gentiles before, we have now become the people of God. Our eyes have seen God incarnate, and because we have seen him present among us and have mentally received him into our arms, we are called the new Israel. Never shall we forget this presence. Every year we keep a feast in his honor. So you and I have a job to do. We have to place ourselves in the presence of God so that we too can receive the presentation of Christ, that we can reflect 
his radiance going forward. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. Go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Sign up for that giveaway of the meditations book or go to reverbculture.com. Type in OTW show to get 20% off. Today's show is made possible by all those who support the show through Patreon. Join their numbers and get extra content by going to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thanks for supporting the show on Patreon. Your gift helps make this show a possibility. And as a thank you, each week I like to give you a little bit extra with our guest, an extra question or two. And we went a little bit overboard this week with our guest, Edmund Mitchell. This is for the Patreon supporters. We're giving them what, what they what they need and they desire because they're on the inside of the walls here with <laughs> Timothy Putnam. Well, they're it, in the walls. They get all the exclusive access. That's really what they want, Tim. They if, want exclusive access. If they if they don't, they should. Yeah, they should. They need to get in here and get some access. This and of course we're the talking. The rivers to, are running with access. We're talking today with Edmund Mitchell, uh, cat, director of catechesis and evangelization at Saint Francis of Assisi Catholic Church, down in Grapevine, Texas. If you're ever in the area, it's hidden. Use your use your phone. Map to if get you're there. ever at the DFW airport, I can see it from my parish. So yeah. if you want me to just come, just you know, have lunch with you, I will. You you look like you're going down some back road through. You you, you think someone's a gonna, neighborhood? They're going to yeah. mug you. You're going through yeah. a neighborhood. You're you're passing the backside, the back entrance of a major hotel. It's <laughs> yeah, like, the Gaylord. Yeah, I, I'm behind. I'm in the back lot of Disney World. This is weird. I'm, I don't think yeah, I'm supposed to be weird. here. You're like, are we on the set of Jurassic World? Like, what's going on? <laughs> And then, and then the entrance is so small it, yeah. when you come from the backside. I, I've never been the other way. Maybe it's easier. I have, I still have no idea which, which is the front of our church building. Like, I don't know which is the front and which is the back or side. It's really confusing. Everyone has their own uh, idea of what the front is. I mean, I come in the same way every day, so I just think that that's the front, but it's not. Right. The, the front of the actual church narthex is on the other side. So um, here you are. You, uh, you, you're growing up. You started. Yeah, I am. I'm getting so old. I'm almost 30. I, I'm 29. This is my 29th year. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be difficult. You're so small. You're so young. I am. I look, I look way younger than I actually am. I'm actually, I'm actually planning hopefully uh, a midlife crisis in the 30th year. I think, I know that that's early. I know normally you probably Are do you that a little planning later Planning to life. die at 60? Is this, is this what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't think that through. I guess I didn't <laughs> think that through. I guess I just want to be ahead. I just want to, you know, right. I want to be an honor student on, on life. So you, uh, you started out as a, as a high school director. And then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. then of course, your predecessor Jared Zimmer took off, left everybody, went to Chicago to be mm -hmm. with uh, Word on yep. Fire. That, Shame on him. That jerk. That, that jerk. jerk. Uh, and there was a hole. There was a giant hole left open, and you you just kind of sucked, got sucked into it. Uh, well, no, actually, actually, um, we hired someone into that hole, but I then I just became. So here's how it happened. I was hired as the high school minister. Yes. And then I was responsible for hiring a middle school person under me. Mm -hmm. But then when the K through six person left, father was like, hire the K through six person under you. And then when Jared left, it was like, hire the adult person under you. So now, but now I'm still doing high school ministry 
And I'm like ready to start like, let's maybe go full time and just directing and not half as a high school. Min- I mean, high school youth ministers spent like more than 40 hours a week working anyway. So to well, also be the director has been really tough. That, of course, because you've got to be available at four o'clock in the morning when there's a boyfriend <laughs> crisis to be able yeah. to spiritually counsel some poor child yeah. who is yeah. who, who's in tears and all of their mascara is running. And, you yeah. know, I mean, that's sure. that's high school ministry. Although four o'clock in the morning, I, I don't answer those calls. Oh, good. Don't call me at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> It's, I have to have sun boundaries. Jesus is still on his throne. It's okay. Yeah. You're going to yeah, yeah. live. I promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're a father now. You have, uh, let's see, you're two behind me. So you've got uh, uh, yeah, so one on the way. Congratulations. Yep. My, our fifth is on the way. Thank you. Thank you. You have seven. I That's do. crazy. That's because we're insane. They were all planned at least 10 minutes in advance. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that line. You may <laughs> feel free. Oh, that's awesome. You don't even have to give wow, credit. Really it's great. all right. Yeah. It's been wild, man. I tell you growing up, growing up ain't easy. It's been, it's been weird. So, um, children help you grow up more than anything. Yes. Children help you grow up. Um, we have all boys, so we're hoping that oh, your midlife uh, crisis this- will be at 30 then. Yeah, I think so. I think I really think it will. I'm going to buy a Corvette and move to Mexico. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> you take care of the do. kids. And uh, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, you. You've been talking about how the catechism really shapes you. Yeah. But one of the things you mentioned early on, uh, or, or maybe maybe not even here on one of your talks on EdmundMitchell.com under listen, uh, you were talking about how you grew up with a, a solid understanding of the faith that your father did a great mm-hmm. job in that. He helped with RCIA and, and you were, yeah. you were a pill to your teachers uh, at yeah. in Sunday school uh, because of that. Yeah. And then later in life, you came to this, this profound experience of relationship and all of a sudden mm-hmm. all that you had learned made sense. Yeah. Talk to me about what you're doing and what you're planning on doing to help your children grow in a knowledge of both. Ooh, yeah, man, that's a really good question. Well, uh, I think, um, you know, having a relationship with Jesus was something that my parents had, but didn't have necessarily the language to articulate. And it was there. I mean, it was there. My, my dad, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, nights or mornings waking up and my dad was there on his knees in front of the crucifix. So my dad had that relationship, um, with God, but I think um, I think especially the kind of the generations right around Vatican II were a little scared that if we talked a little too much like Protestants that we would become Protestant, right? So it's like yeah. I remember talking to someone and I said a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and they said, what? And I said a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and they said, are you a Protestant convert? And I said, no. I said, it's in the catechism. <laughs> it's in the catechism. It's in the fourth pillar in the catechism. It's like the opening paragraph that right. that all everything that our creed, sacraments, and morality all need to be lived from a personal relationship um, with God. And they're like, huh? And they're there's, like, that's a Protestant thing. There's this beautiful phrase that uh, the Benedict, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said about having an encounter not with an ideology, yes. not with a doctrine, yes. but with a person. That we yes. have, we have a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ, which yes. is lived out through our doctrine. Yes, Christianity is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but it's an encounter with a person. And I, I have repeated that over and over again because it makes everything else come alive. Because it's one thing to tell someone, um, "This is what the priest does," and those funny motions he does up on the altar represent Leviticus from back this, and isn't that cool? How 
all of the, you know, but, it, but I really do think this personalism that JP2 and Benedict and really like this whole catechetical renewal um, in, in, I guess, the world also in America of getting back to the krigma, the basic proclamation of the gospel, which is a personal adherence to God is so important. So with my kids, I think, um, I think one, it's just important to model it. I think um, a lot of times we tell people go pray, but they, but we never actually show them what it's like for someone to, we never let them in on the the dialogue um, of what it sounds like to pray. And um, my parents were really good about, you know, we would do our memorized prayers every day, but at the end of it, you know, my, and I don't know that my parents intentionally planned this out, but the end of it, we would always have a dear Jesus and the dear Jesus was more extemporaneous, right? right now. You know, if you were raised Protestant, I've heard some Protestants say that even extemporaneous prayer can become, you know, kind of memorized prayer, right? Cause it's like, you just say the same thing. And as little kids, you know, we would say the same thing. It'd be like, you know, we pray that my dad would get a promotion and we pray for uh, mommy and, and we pray for so-and-so. But I think it instilled this, this idea that there was a conversation that could be had. And it, um, I think it also reflects, you know, Jesus letting us in on the conversation between him and the father. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a challenge. I wish, I wish I knew the answer. I mean, the, the best I have so far is just to model and talk often about the relationship, um, with Jesus, but also at the same time to be very intellectually rigorous as Bishop Barron says, you know, we need to present the faith that is intellectually rigorous and really push people to defend and explain the faith. And not, not that I'm going to say, uh, all right, Ignatius, um, you know, you know, give, give me, uh, give me your aunt, your refutations to the 95 thesis, but, but, but right. more like, more like, okay, well, you know, you understand that Jesus was both the God and man, but let's, let's dive deeper into that. Mm -hmm. Like, what would that mean? What is that? What does that really mean? And getting really deep into, um, you know, the early church fathers and these deep, I really like what you saying, like going out into deep waters. I feel like that's something that is important. Oh, I don't, I don't even remember who it was. I had someone on the show, probably Joe Heschmeyer on the show a couple okay. of weeks ago. And uh, he, as he was talking about Christ being both God and man, he, he put it in a, in a way that I've never heard it before that just kind of gave me chills. He Ooh. said, that means that, that Jesus was consubstantial with the father but mm -hmm. he was also consubstantial with Mary. Ooh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Kind of yeah, blows the really mind, crazy. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to let huh. you I'm going to let you sit on that for a little bit. <laughs> I will I will. Well, in uh, in here I'll give I'll give you one too. This was one that just re it came to mind when you as you were saying consubstantial with Mary. I think um a lot of in, people talk about this like high versus low Christology or whatever. I just I just I like saying like, there's no high or low, there's just Christology, right? Yeah. Now we can have a tendency to view it in a lower high lens or whatever. But um, I, Benedict in uh, this book on dogma and preaching just randomly talks about not only did God come down to meet us, but if Jesus is fully man, that also means, and I just had this image of like all of us in a room mm -hmm. and, and all of us looking around and going, who is willing to go up to the father? Like who is willing to go, like he's coming down to us, but also through the crucifixion, through the total life gift of self, everything, one of us as a human needs to go up to him. Mm -hmm. And Benedict talks about how Jesus perfectly also went up to the father through his life and through sacrifice, through this perfect um, uh, filial uh, faith gift, you know? And I was like, Whoa, like, yeah, you're right. No, it's like a bunch of us humans sitting in the room and like, none of us could do it. None of like, I'll do it. Well, what about next Tuesday? Will you do it next Tuesday? No, I can't do it next right. Tuesday. Right. Like Here, here's I'll do it. Well, will you die for your faith? 
Here's a really interesting thing about that because uh, we heard recently, uh, I think it was it may have been in a class if it wasn't reading, um, that Moses said that there would be a prophet like unto him who would come mm. uh, to be with us. And we, of course, we know that that's Christ. Um, but M- Moses was the appointed person from the people to go up to the Father. Ooh, that's cool. That that perfect. Because, perfect. Because they were there. they were scared of of the the yeah. flame, and so you do it. You go. You go up for yeah. us. Yeah. And of yeah, course, yeah, now yeah, here yeah. is that prophet like unto him, who is yeah. very God of very God. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about that a little bit. Like we, you hear some people, I think St. Francis would say, you know, brother Christ or talk to him, you know, as this brother. But I think a lot of times for me, just the way I was raised, um, you know, we reacted against a kind of groovy Jesus is just my friend. Right. And so we try to really, we, we try to really honor the divinity of Jesus. And sometimes we're afraid to, to, to actually think and reflect on like, wow, he was a person. He was a hundred percent man. Um, and, and man, yeah, that's just nuts. It's nuts to think about. So I think one of the things that you do to, to instill the faith in your children as, as someone who's a little bit further down that road, or at least... Yeah, give me some pointers. Give me some. Give me the secrets. One is geek out about God, you know, like mm-hmm. we're doing right here. They need to see yeah. that. You know, yeah. the faith is not this, okay, we're all going to sit in mass and we're all going to be bored and you you sit straight and if you move, God's going to bring judgment down upon you, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They need to see the excitement in the faith. Uh, yeah. One of the things that we do as a family, we've got this lovely little oratory just down the road from us. And so once a week, as a family, just us, there's nobody else there, uh, we have a, a holy hour where we go and we sit nice. in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And it's great because no one else is there, so I don't have to worry about them wandering around because they can. Uh, yeah. That, that it's okay awesome. to... And th- there was a Catholic radio guru who was down in the Dallas area, passed away uh, a couple of years ago. And one of the I, I had the pleasure and really the honor of sitting down with him uh, a couple of weeks before he passed away and he had 10 children. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, when people are at the end of the life, they say things uh, that they're very careful with their words and they, they mm-hmm. choose them to make sure they matter. And yeah. he said, have, have prayer time with your kids every night, do the rosary, mm-hmm. do something and don't worry. Don't, don't make it rigid. If your two year old mm-hmm. gets up and is wandering around, let him do it because he's yeah. still in the presence of the rosary. And, you know, I, I come from this uh, Methodist background. It's all, practically almost, almost semi-Pelagian of, oh, I've got to do all the right things. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so yeah. there's this idea of, no, you're doing it wrong. Sit down and pick up the beat and be sure you've got the right one and say all the words and say them clearly. Yeah. So that idea yeah. that just put your children in front of the faith and let them see that relationship mm. and instill them with the knowledge. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's so easy to get stuck in one or the other, to to lose yeah. the lose the rigor, uh, lo- forget about the study and show yourself approved, but also to get so focused on the knowledge that we miss giving them a love for God. Yes, and I've been both places. Like I have kind of swung back and forth many times throughout my life. There have been time. There was part of what brought me to the catechism was feeling like I had swung so far into, it's just, I need to just focus on my relationship with Jesus that I realized that, uh, I was not focusing on the relationship with Jesus that I was comfortable having. And that if I really believe that Jesus, um, that the church guards the deposit of faith, 
I can, I can come to understand who Jesus is at a deeper level when I understand what all of the deposit says, not just the parts about him that are about forgiveness, but the parts about him that are about the Trinity that I don't understand or the part, the parts, the, the other parts that I don't understand as well. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's been times where, I, like I was saying, you know, I just, I would just go to the parts of scripture where I was comfortable with that Jesus or that Jesus was, um, particularly res- resonated with me for a particular reason, instead of going to the harder sayings of Jesus or going to the things I didn't understand. And I think that's where, man, like Peter Crave says, you know, you don't go hunting in the bushes you've already been to, you go hunting in the bushes you, you don't, you, you haven't been, you, right. you go hunting for things in places where you haven't been or you don't understand. Yeah. Edmund, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time and giving my my Patreon guests what they need and want. Yes, they need it. The engagement, access. and of course, well, uh, you have your own Patreon what? for the show as well. I do. Who doesn't? You know why not? Yeah, yeah. I have one for the show. So if you want more access, uh, I will give you more access at uh, Patreon.com/slash/the-show. Yeah. So, so long as you don't, you know, switch, I'm good. You know. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Tim, you. man. You're, yeah, man, you're a pro, man. Anytime. Uh, this is great. This is really great. Thanks for supporting the show on Patreon. Make sure to go over to social media and check out the discounted price on his book, Meditations. Uh, and also look for that giveaway. Share this week's episode with your friends as well. And until next week, God bless. God bless.